everyone and welcome to episode 148 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with the lovely Lauren. Hello guys. How are we today Lauren? Oh we are stellar. Um, MCM yesterday. Yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> MCM was yesterday for us um, and whew, That's an that intense day. Is, so like you always go into cons thinking like I'm ready I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna take it easy but I'm gonna have fun and then the next day happens and you're just like I feel rough. Yeah, I think we got home um, and fell asleep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we ate and then fell asleep. Like we were just so exhausted, but it was a lot of fun and we got to meet a lot of people and um, see some of you guys as well, which was great. We met some new people that that actually had heard of us which yeah, was which was fun i know so yeah no it was, it was really really a great time i'm i'm always sad that we can only go one day but at the same time it was it was enough for my um yeah it's enough walking around yeah for my exhaustion I think, levels i think lauren yesterday did what, like 20 25,000 steps yeah something crazy like that on my fitbit and uh a lot of standing but no, I I I love MCM. I always think it's a great time, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, on today's episode, uh, we're actually going to be talking about E3 because the next episode is going to be coming out on the first day of E3. So Yay! we didn't think that would necessarily be um, what well, we're basically going to do today is our as our pre E3 show, and then determine when the next show is going to come out because yeah, depending on. If Square Enix do the same thing they did last year, where they announced a lot of stuff before the show, that might be fine for us to record um, in advance. Yeah. But uh, if they don't, then we may have to um, <laughs> not do that. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. So today's episode is going to be uh, pretty much just talking about our expectations for E3, how hyped we are, what we think is going to be there, all that kind of stuff. And then we've got a load of questions. So we've got stuff relating to Dissidia, Final Fantasy XVI, um, and some other stuff that I can't really remember right now. <laughs> it's okay, we'll get to it. We will get to it. It means, well, hey, it just shows you that we, when we see these questions, we are on the spot. We are fully on the Lauren doesn't know what the questions are. I don't. I don't know what the questions are. I'm really surprised. Like, I'm, I'm really in the dark. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Get honest answers. Yeah. Okay, so for you new folks, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday, working rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come out on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com, and as of Tuesday, we should have a new YouTube channel specifically set up for the podcast. Yeah. So we're going to start posting up the episodes on YouTube again. Yay! Yeah. All right, so we're now going to go into our Patreon supporters. This is shout-outs for anyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode, to whom we are eternally grateful. Like, your support means so much to us, and we've yeah. actually had a ton of new supporters this past week, so that was really great. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, thank you guys from the bottom of our itty-bitty hearts. So, Lauren, do you want to kick things off? Sure. Uh, the first one we got is Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Christian Burge. Louis James. Satria Jarasadama at Satria 65 Ruben. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Joe Tremonte. Chris Morales. Eric Decker at Choco Taco. Harley Crawley at Dark Zed Tiokami. Jonathan Gonzalez at Oh, It's Just Johnny. Josh McNabb at J2K9. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre23. Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto58. Brian McArdle at DarthBrain92. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. 
Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quailm. Mohammed Kayam. Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Nack 95. Perry Ramstead. Rachel Casterton at Urba Yunray. Fatanitas. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. And Zach Porter at Porter Paradox. So our new Patreon supporters this episode are Dendriana Kai, Joe Tremonte, and Sheena underscore TH. Thank you so Thank much, you guys. guys. And just as a reminder, if you do want to support us on Patreon, for the $1 pledge, you will get access to our kind of behind-the-scenes show, Please Be Excited, where myself, Lauren, Brandon, Chiro, and Sabrina will take part in just a, a little show that's usually 15 minutes to half an hour where we just talk about kind of what's going on in our daily lives, how, how we're changing things on the site, or any other developments that are happening. If you pledge up on that, you get obviously the shout-outs on the show. Next level up is you get some badges that are sent by Lauren for either Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts Union. And then the next up on that is that you get to come on the show. Yeah. All right, moving on to our main segment for today, which is, are we hyped for E3? Are we? Are we? That's a very good question. Mm. It's actually, um, it was recommended, well, I should say, we're we're probably going to talk about it anyway because of how close it is, but it was recommended by a Twitter user called FastPlay0627, who literally asked us, are you hyped for E3? Well, (laughs) I'm going to tentatively say yes, because the last... I'd say three years, Square Enix has somehow managed to surprise me. I mean, two years ago, um, the Final Fantasy VII remake literally came from nowhere. Yeah. Um, we had World of Final Fantasy at that we E3 had as Nier, well. Nier Automata. Nier Automata. Nier Automata. And then, obviously, last year, they pre-E3, they announced the release date for World of Final Fantasy. They announced mm-hmm. the Zodiac Age. Um, it's been... They've been on a bit of a roll, actually, I'd say. Yeah, no, I think it's been really great. And um, I mean, my only issue is is that like I have to take these announcements with a grain of salt because, I mean, the recent news, we won't get into it because I think it, we're going to be talking about it on our FF chat if you've already watched it. Um, but like that Final Fantasy VII remake is not going to be seen for like another three years or so. So it's a bit like well, they if said, they announce they this said stuff up to three years, up to three years. But it's like you know, if they announce it and then it's not going to come out for a long time, I'm just kind of like, oh man, stop announcing things. They've generally been okay. It's Nomura games. Yeah, the, the, all the other games that they announce are fine. I just they, don't. They understand. hit their deadlines. Like you know, if we're looking at Probably what's going to be E3. So the Zodiac Age is most likely to be there because it's coming out in July. Yeah. Um, they announced that la- they announced that last E3. Yeah. And they announced the release date in January. Yeah. That's a, a year turnaround time. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. Which is good. And then of Storm course Blood we have Stormblood was announced in October officially. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Th- that's fine. Everything's gone yeah. fine with that. Yeah. Brave Exvius was obviously announced. I think that was announced 2015 E3. Came mm. out like a week or two, a month later. Yeah. It's been doing well. Um, like So it's it's Nomura games. Nomura, when Nomura announces games, they just don't... Come out. They don't seem to think them But that's through. why I'm a bit like hesitant about what's going to come out of E3 with Square Enix. Because I honestly just want updates. Like I just want people to say this game is coming out or this game is like this far in development and you know kingdom hearts 3 is another one that i'm just kind of like you know i just want i just want more information on the games that they've already announced i I don't really care about the new announcements until they've sorted the stuff that they already have lined up i mean i think the problem is that the is the what they've got lined up is massive 
Yeah. So the Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3 are massive, massive games. And obviously people want updates on that. But if you look at what Square Enix is doing outside of those two properties, there's almost nothing. I mean, you've got the Zodiac Age, which is coming out in July. Mm-hmm. If you look at the um, the kind of back of that fiscal report, um, you had Dragon Quest XI, which is coming out in Japan and like pretty much around the same time. But who mm-hmm. knows when we're going to get that. Um, you had the Itadaki Street uh, special, special edition game, which we may never see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's pretty much what we've got to look forward to. Like, yeah. there's, there's nothing else. It's also just difficult because they've like only just come out of uh, Final Fantasy 15, like just the whole big shebang with that game. Like, I feel like they've just put all of their resources into Final Fantasy 15 promotion. And then now it's just kind of like, okay. I don't know what the next thing's going to be because they they just spent all their time on Final Fantasy 15. So let's see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, World of next. Final Fantasy has basically just disappeared. We had that um, the brief announcement at the 30th anniversary event they were going to be adding Balthier. Yeah, and then since that we've heard literally nothing. Although that's something as well. Like, I wonder if they will add something else uh, for the 30th anniversary. Like, what else they would add for that? Well, I mean, if yeah, they would that, do that's, anything. that's the big elephant in the room right now because they they very clearly said that the anniversary event at the beginning of the year in January was not for consumers. It was supposed to be for kind of investors to announce the the year long celebration. Sure, and that. It was just an announcement. So they weren't supposed to be kind of going like guns to the wall or anything. So, I mean, it made it seem like Hashimoto did say that there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But but we don't know what any of that stuff is at the moment. No. I mean, E3 could be the time when they decide to announce some of that stuff. But it doesn't seem like they're doing a press conference. Yeah. So if they are going to be doing stuff, it's probably going to be in in the Sony conference or it could be in the Switch conference. Mm -hmm. But, you know... uh, I think for for definite, they're going to announce the release date for episode Ignis. Mm. If that doesn't come during E3, then I don't know. Then maybe some, maybe a preview of what's to come with that. And then also, well, no, no, no. For sure, they have to release, or sorry, have a release date for episode Prompto first. That's what I mean. Sorry. Oh, that's sorry. What I, <laughs> they, they'll, they'll probably, they'll, yeah, release date for episode Prompto will, will have to come because they said it was coming in June. Yeah. And then they, they'll probably start, will do some kind of teaser for episode Ignis. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it would be nice if they showed some kind of preview for what's to come with Ignis. I part um, of me thinks, though, but, that they don't know. Yeah. Like, I still, I mean, obviously, um, we're not going to talk about it on here because there's so much other stuff we've got to talk about. But the last Final Fantasy 15 patch added all the the seven different story scenarios that they're mm. thinking about adding. But you know, I'd like to think that most of those are developed to the point. But is it a case of are they going to suddenly just change their mind and say, "Well, we've already developed put this, but the fans don't want it, so let's just do this one instead"? Yeah, I know it's really difficult. I don't know what. Like we obviously don't know what they're gonna do with and this the stuff is results obviously that they like get. next year, maybe? Yeah. Like season two of Which the is DLC. definitely going to last a lot longer than a year than what Tabata was um originally planning. Yeah. Which maybe. is really a shame because it's seventy percent of the team. It's is gotta still be cutting down over time. Mean, like they have to start working on something else. Something else that's with um maybe even Tabata related. But either way, I so mean So those are the those are the four things that I'm expecting. Yeah. Zodiac Age something or other, Stormblood something or other. Oh I didn't say the other one actually. Episode Prompto. And then I reckon there's gonna be something on Brave Exvius. Mm. Because that seems to be doing out of the out of Record Keeper, Brave Exvius and Mobius, 
Brave Exodus is the one that they seem to be championing on a global scale more than the others. Obviously, they've just announced their the kind of Brave Exodus fan fiesta, which is crazy, which is yeah. going to be in loads of cities around yeah, the world. Yeah, like a festival for a mobile game. Yeah. So, so I would imagine that Brave Exodus is going to have some kind of presence at E3. Yeah. So those, those are the, those, those are the four things that I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Prompto, Brave Exodus, Stormblood, and Zodiac Age. I would imagine that that is going to take up their booth from a Square Enix Japan perspective. Yeah. I, I reckon that what Final Fantasy VII is going to be shown in some capacity. Uh, I mean, Nomura said that they want to show it at some point this year. I would say that either E3 or Tokyo Game Show is where they would do that. I don't see them doing it really at Gamescom. Yeah. E3 is obviously the biggest global scale, though. And and Final Fantasy VII Remake is the one where they want to go after the biggest market possible. So that's why... you'd hope. Well... Because, I mean, they showed off the screenshots at magic no no but that was kind of like a <laughs> aside <know>. i know <laughs> but i think you know with final Fantasy VII remake their objective is to try and sell as many units as possible yeah, to definitely. make it the biggest global game of, in history yeah e3 is the place where they need to do that yeah and then i have a sneaking suspicion that decidia is going to get something it's gonna i mean they've they've been talking about it since january now the fact that the console version is definitely happening mm-hmm. they've been working on it behind the scenes I think that this this could be again like the place where they they kind of really go for it. Yeah, I think they should at least try and announce something. For but that. I mean, from from my perspective, obviously I'm a sport fan. I would love it if they said Dissidia coming out at the end of this year. Yeah, but there's also a part of me that wonders whether or not they're going to wait until they have like at least a majority of the villains. Well, they, in by there. the end of the year, they would have. I guess which ones do they have at the moment? They have. They have Kuja. The only ones they don't have, this is probably the easiest way of seeing it. Yeah, yeah. The only ones they don't have are Gabranth, Ject, um, Cloud of Darkness, and Ultimacia. Mm. I think and it's I it. think it's only those four. And then some uh some kind of representation from thirteen. Uh well lightning's in it. No, I mean um There never there never was a villain. That's what I'm saying. Like they don't have any they don't have any representation of a Final Fantasy thirteen villain. No, but then yeah, there, there never was. And then also, I mean, it's the fact that they've they've put off Noctis for so long as well. But then there, I mean, I'd like to think there's some reason behind, but yeah. we know there probably isn't. Um, but, you know, that could be the announcement character. It could be. Because, like, what's going to get people more excited than Decidio Final Fantasy coming to consoles? Noctis coming as an exclusive character to Decidio Final Fantasy on consoles. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't see... Well... Maybe I can see how they can't because the warp mechanic is quite is quite intense. I guess they wouldn't be able to have it the warp mechanic. fits with their gameplay perfectly, though. <clears throat> like the city is all about kind of darting around everywhere. Yeah, like it. It. I. They wouldn't be able to do like the using the environment to warp to things is what I mean. Like they wouldn't be able to like warp to that um, that little ledge and that sort of thing. Like how you can do in the game. No. It would be, I mean, I can understand it why it's, difficult. It's, it's difficult for them to get in, but they can just like modify they could just it have somehow. a yeah. they could just have it like how Ace was in uh, Type Zero, where he just kind of warps around, like he can warp around. Yeah, which they put in not, the game. Fine. It's just a dodge mechanic. It's not necessarily a um. It's not necessarily a fight mechanic. So uh, yeah, what a Final Fantasy may have some kind of appearance as well if they announce another crossover character, but. To be honest, I think they're kind of done with World of Final Fantasy yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, it's sad to say, but like, yeah, I just feel like it never got it never got the it never got the love that it deserved. I feel as if World of Final Fantasy, uh, not that they should have just got out like they did, 
but if it had been delayed slightly to Q1 this year, then it probably would have done better. Yeah. Because it it's like... It would have had the attention. Yeah, it would have been able to be the, t- the crossover between 15 and 12 Zodiac Age, like a game in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, obviously, it came out like a couple of weeks before Final Fantasy 15. So I know. A lot of people picked it up at that point, but then, you know, there were a lot of people that were only going to buy one of them because they were so close together. Yeah, that's the trouble. They were just so close together. I mean, <laughs> just thinking money-wise, that's almost like £120 right there. Like, that's a lot. Yep, especially if you went for, a, like, a, a small... A special a, edition yeah. or anything. Like, that's that's a lot of money. So, and a lot of time. But, yeah, no, I, I feel bad for World of Final Fantasy. I thought it was really, really well done. And Curious, I don't remember really seeing... I know it, it sold okay in Japan, but I don't think they've ever published any kind of global sales figures for it. Mm. I think it's very much just been a kind of sweep it under the rug... Yeah, which is a shame because, like, it's, it goes again with um, Square Enix, like, sort I think of it, crapping on, well, almost I, crapping on, like, a new a new director. I think it did well. I, I, I think it met expectation. Like, I yeah. don't think they had massive expectations for it. It was a kind of a spin-off title. They didn't really... Yeah, yeah I, I don't think they're going to build upon it. No. Uh, and the guy who directed it, obviously, the, guy, the game got a lot of praise. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was good for him. Yeah. I feel that, um, I mean, outside of that, Tokyo RPG Factory may be showing off a new title of some kind That's after true. Setsuna. Well, no, they're, they're doing the um, Project Octopath, aren't they? Mm. Octopath Traveler. Yeah, um, it was uh, oh, Hiroki Chiba who wrote it. Who oh, he directed, who directed it. it. He, was, he was the one who directed He was the one who directed it, wasn't he? Yeah. It? Yeah. Um, so apparently it sold about 100,000 copies in Japan in its first week. Which isn't too bad. No. And yeah, generally like the reviews are quite average, but I just feel like it was it was so overshadowed by Final Fantasy 15. I feel like it's one of these kind of things though where I, I guess it depends on the aspirations of the company because um, while Final Fantasy it was always going to get panned by critics because yeah. it's... It's a fan it's a, game. Yeah, it's like an old school old game. Yeah. And they don't really get it. it. It's like with um, things have kind of turned around now for some reason. But I remember like, you know, coming on like seven or eight years ago. If you looked at critic reviews for uh, the Warriors franchise, for example, for the games from Omega Force, they would just get absolutely panned. You're looking at threes, fours, fives review scores because they just they were a joke. People yeah. just were like, "Oh, these games are just a hack and slash." Blah blah blah. blah but people blah. enjoyed them. Yeah, like there was a core fan base that absolutely loved it, and Omega Force kind of stuck true to what they were and just kept trying to improve the quality of those hack and slash games. And now, like you look at critic scores for uh, like New Samurai Warriors game or the Warriors Orochi f- series, they're on like seven eight seven eights and nines. Yeah. Because they just stuck stuck with it and they didn't change the formula too. They just evolved it. Yeah. They didn't go like, oh, no, the critics aren't really liking it. Our fans are liking it, but the critics aren't really liking it. So let's just change the entire thing. Yeah, no. Which is good. It's good that they don't focus on the critics. But it's like I feel as though the critics would be looking at what Final Fantasy and saying, well, it's not Final Fantasy XV. Yeah, yeah, it's not pushing any boundaries. Although the stacking system was amazing. Yeah, the in gameplay World of Final in that Fantasy. game is really cool, and I love the fast forwarding. I I thought it was really innovative for at least a, um, a turn based battle system. But either way, we're getting on to a really different topic. But like basically what? with E three, I think it's going to be 
like unless they pull out some weird surprises, I think it's going to be pretty much same old, same old. I I think they're going to announce some stuff, but mm. it's probably going to be kind of on the side. Yeah, like they might just do it beforehand or like during one of the press conferences. Because I know that they've also got set up their sister studio to the Tokyo RPG Factory, who are also dedicated at making new JRPGs. Mm. Uh, and they haven't. I don't think they've announced anything yet that mm. they're working on. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, I mean, like I <laughs> we've said this every single E3 for the last couple of years. I'm going in with low expectations yeah. because I don't really see what they're going to do no. at the moment. No. Um, I'm expecting something Final Fantasy VII Remake related, which could be amazing. But I, yeah, it's one of those things where like I want to be hyped for it, but I, it's just I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Oh, one thing that would be really sick if they could do is announce a near um, near remaster. I don't think they're going to report something i think people will be on the fence about that just because of how it was yeah because i think the near did well because of its charm yeah and if they they it's not that they if they did a remaster mm-hmm. fine but i think there's been a lot more interest in platinum games redoing the game yeah just remaking it yeah like a full-on remake which would be cool which would, would but it would, then would it lose would it lose its appeal but yeah, uh, this is a completely different topic. Let's move on to the questions because otherwise I'll get on near. <laughs> it's a near and podcast now. What guys, are you talking about? I know, I know you guys. Near union. Near union. Mm-hmm. I think it would sell. Okay. <laughs> what? We're, we're going to sell the rest of the podcast? Might as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, questions. We don't, we don't, we're not doing too much news. We've, yeah. We've, we've covered a little bit in that segment, but yeah, questions. Um, so as I mentioned last episode, we had a lot of questions that were in our email folder that we had not noticed so we're going to run through those now okie dokes yeah so the first question is from adam wurtz who says uh do you think that nix was a replacement for a role that noctis was originally supposed to play during the events of kingsglaive perhaps noctis was in the city when it fell as believed to be the case from the original plot of versus 13 but the role changed to nix once develop of the game changed that's actually an interesting theory because really i mean it it could kind of work although it could kind of not because like the thing is is that Noctis although he's you know he's trained really well by Gladiolus he's still very much green behind the ears when you get to him in terms of um combat I mean you know Gladiolus is still training him when you're out and about so I mean I don't know that he would have been as savvy as Nix's character, or they would have wanted him to be as savvy as Nix's character was in Kingsglaive beforehand. Um, I mean, maybe that was one of the trials that they came they came to because they wanted Nick or they sorry they wanted Noctis to have this sort of coming of age story where he grows up throughout the game instead of oh he has all this stuff happening and he's all. Um, all grown up in Kingslave, but now he's starting back at square one for Final Fantasy XV. But it is a really interesting theory, and I think it would have brought a lot more to his character and his relationship with Luna. Yeah, no, I actually think it's you're on something there because I wouldn't say it's a direct replacement, but if you're looking at the scenes, then yeah, Nyx has replaced Noctis in the scene um, where the piece of Etro artwork is. Yeah. Um, Nyx has replaced Noctis when they're fighting in the throne room. 
So yeah, I I don't think it was a like for like replacement. I think there are definitely parts of Kingsglaive that weren't part of the original narrative, like the whole fight with um where they at the, right at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. where before they even get to the city, where um, Libertus breaks his leg. I don't think that was in the original Final Fantasy versus Thirteen story. Yeah. Um, I don't think that a lot of the Lunar Freya sequences that Nyx was involved in, um, towards the end of the film were were re- probably supposed to be in the versus 13 I, but it's it's really hard to say but i think those two those two specific scenes where yeah where they're kind of having the formal dinner um and then the the fight in the throne room i think those are are definite scenes where nix replaced noctis yeah definitely um so this next question is from chris willis who asks what would you say distinguishes a JRPG from a Western RPG beyond where the game is made? With combat becoming more and more action-based, do you think that the line between the two is becoming more blurred? Final Fantasy games are becoming more Western RPG than JRPG or something else. I think the lines are definitely becoming blurred, but I think they the line still very much exists. It just depends on the company. Mm-hmm. So Square Enix are definitely moving away from the classic jrpg they're they're i mean they've blatantly said that they want to appeal to a western audience and the easiest way to do that is to change the way that the game's made um so i mean you even look at it like there's no way that uh if they were trying to go for a japanese audience final fantasy 15 would not have been developed the way it was yeah it's it's got more so much more in common with the likes of um like the witcher 3 um and fallout and like elder scrolls in terms of the questing system the development uh, than it does with like Persona Five. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I think Square Enix has definitely blurred the line between their their titles. However, there's still very much games. There's still very much market for JRPGs. Yeah, I think Square Square don't see themselves as a as a Japanese RPG genre company anymore. They just want to see themselves as an RPG company yeah. whereas you've still got people like atlas like nice uh and like all the uh tech Mokawi who yeah they, they're still happy and to even go along like with Namco, the you have nino kuni and that kind of type yeah, of tales. stuff yeah like i mean you know um i think it's a shame because like for me personally i think it's a detriment to square enix's past where like i mean i hate to be this sort of nostalgic person but like I preferred the games when they were more about the story and the adventure than trying to be something that it's not. Like, I I found the sort of Western RPG elements in Final Fantasy XV to be quite boring, the fetch quests, because there wasn't, there wasn't anything about them. It was just kind of like, all right, let's go... Let's go get this. Let's go fight this enemy and come back and hand it in. And there's no story development it, with the yeah, character think, that they were interacting with. I think the with. problem with that is that they've seen, ah, oh, like, see these side quest kind of things. They look at the Fallout. They love them. Yeah, but... Everyone loves side But it's like you have to actually go the next step. Exactly. Like, Fallout does it well because they incorporate story with it. You start to feel for these little itty-bitty well, side Final characters. Final Fantasy has always had side quests like yeah. it's it's always been there but it's never been like oh i have to go here i have to do this it's gonna put a tick box in my menu where it yeah. says i'm doing this quest right now yeah. it's like they were just like they were just little quests that you actually stumbled upon like the di- emerald weapon for yeah. example like doing all that stuff or um uh like the cards the card games of final fantasy 8 like the or the poo poo quest or like the there's there's so many different examples of, of side quests like even getting the ultimate weapons in final fantasy 10 mm. 
they're side quests, but they're not official side quests. You don't yeah. go there and get a thing, and then you've got to go and do this and that. It's it's not it's not mandated to you. Like, yeah, there's, it's just like a, a natural development. Well, there's that, but then there's also like um, it it really sort of disappoints me because these characters like Taka are such like sort of empty characters. Like they have like a bit of a a bit of a thing to them where they have like a persona but they have like nothing nothing more about them whereas like you think in Final Fantasy X Belgamina like that was like an intense sort of storyline with her she was a summoner who failed you don't know that she was killed um during her pilgrimage you find that out after you've collected all of the um I think all of the basic summons, um, all the ones except for like Anima and that kind of thing, you You have to keep fighting against her and then you find out that she's actually an unsent. And um, it's like those small little things that make you remember those characters and just sort of enjoy doing the side quests because you want to spend more time with that character, not because you want to finish the side quest that much, you know? Yeah, it's like I didn't... When I was doing Dino's quests, I did them because it was a checkbox I had to tick. Yeah. Like, I didn't actually want to go and talk to him because I knew I was going to get nothing new. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no... There's no stake there. There's nothing... Like, it would have been cool if, like, maybe he was getting hunted down by someone for his, like, dark sort of... um, For his, like, mafia-type handlings. Like, if somebody was after him or something... Um, it would be cool if Taka had something going on with his business that you had to help save his business and built something up. I mean, like, there's so many, like, little things that they could have built on that they just kind of left by the wayside. Um, that, like, they they just sort of didn't think that they enriched the environment, but they do. And, you know, with Fallout especially... You have these sequences, which are very similar. I mean, you go into a building, you defeat a bunch of enemies, and then you get to the end of the dungeon, essentially. Um, There's one sequence where um, you're playing as a a sort of, like, radio-type hero, and you have to go around and help this guy who's, like, a big fan of this hero go and fight crime. He wants to essentially recreate the show in real life, um... And uh, it gets to a point where he actually upsets like a really big crime lord who then uh, kidnaps him and you have to go and save him and you have the choice of whether or not to actually save him or kill him. And it's just like, you know, he was such a small character. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but he was such a small character. But like that whole sequence made you really like sort of feel for him. And he was such, he was so adamant about his faith in... Uh, the Silver Shroud, which is what the character was. And um, yeah, I, I just, it's, that is what was missing from Final Fantasy XV. They just were like, here's the basic model of a Western RPG and no, no substance. I mean, I don't want to kind of keep harping on it because I've done it for many, many years. But I know. Final Fantasy XII was where they, they made the active decision to change. Um, it, it was a couple of years before, I think I covered it in a video I did about Final Fantasy VII, but they made the decision that Japan was no longer going to be their main focus audience. It was going to be America and Europe. And so therefore they needed to try and figure out how they could cater to those audiences more because Japan, it wasn't their focus anymore. They weren't making games for the Japanese public anymore. Uh, I mean, obviously they still care about what Japan thinks as mm-hmm. a market. And we've seen that with... Um, 
what's happened with Final Fantasy 15, but you know, it's with Final Fantasy 12, it was the first time where they actively sought feedback from Western gamers. Um, they were actively trying to please Western critics. Mm. Um, and then Final Fantasy 13 kind of continued upon that. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really just a, Square as a, as a whole, they're not really too interested in, in the definition of a JRPG anymore. I don't think they're, they're just making their own kind of thing, which is kind of a hybrid between JRPG and Western RPG. Um, but in terms of what distinguishes it, which is what is the actual initial question, um, I think it is just it's the feel. It's it's the feel of the game. So like the Western RPGs are typically open ended. There's a lot more freedom to do things, but there's I'd say there's a much less focus on core story delivery, but a lot more focus on lore. If that yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. like in Fallout, you don't have a character. Like, no. the, and, and when any of the Bethesda games, you are a nameless character. Mm. You're like the Wanderer or whoever. Well, kind of, yeah. Dra- Dragonborn, like you, you create yourself. Yeah, it's it's like it's not. You don't have a name. You don't have a background. You do, it's whatever you want it to be. It's, well, it's, to be fair, Fallout, you do you do have a bit of a backstory. Like, well, you, Fallout Four, at least. Well, kind of, but it's, Fallout 4, it's like. You do. The, the, the intro to the way, game is to, like to to you you mold your own character. The yeah. the writers don't do it for you. They give you little little bits to sort of go on, but no, it's, it's ultimately it's not like your choice. The, the the character development of your character in Fallout Four is is more consequential to the rest of the world than it is yeah. for you. Yeah, it's not like Noctis. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not a preset thing. It's not. It's not linear. No. They don't have. But a... the world, the world in those games is everything. Yeah. So every other character in the world has that. It's just that you don't really have it. Yeah. And I know The Witcher is slightly different because obviously you you are you have a main character in that too. But again, mm. it's it's there's there's so much that takes place in the world, and you have a lot of choice about the directions you go in and where you go. Whereas with JRPGs, they're very linear. Mm. And I know that. I don't know where it suddenly come from that they're not, and Final Fantasy Thirteen was the first one that was linear, but they've always been linear. Yeah, they, they you push always you in have a, a beginning, direction. middle, and end. Yeah, they always make the same choices. The difference is how sometimes how what what order you go in, like whether or not you start hunting for the ultimate weapons like earlier in the game or start like the side quests whether or not you try some of them earlier in the game but ultimately you have everybody pretty much has the same end yeah whereas but, like fallout you could just not even focus on the story and just kill crap all day long yeah and you do other <laughs> side quests do whatever yeah. the hell you want yeah um and Let generally in those rot. games the, the actual main story is very short yeah because you, they don't really intend on you doing it yeah exactly but yeah so i think that's i think that's the main difference i don't think the combat is really the the issue i mm. think it's the it's the how the story is told yeah uh and and in japanese games the story is has was always so crucial it was such an important focus yeah the characters were so carefully crafted and designed and they all had their kind of ways they work with them and it's the same for any of the franchises mm-hmm. Like whether you're looking at like Chrono or Tails or uh, like um, any like the Disgaea franchise, they all have this kind of set of cast of characters. They all have their roles. They all speak with each other. They all go around with each other as a big yeah. group. Doesn't happen in Western RPGs. It's generally like a so- solo solo character who interacts with the world. 
mm-hmm. through their eyes, mm-hmm. which is like the big. I think that's the big difference. Yeah, and I I never really liked Western RPGs for that. I think uh, I mean I, Elder Scrolls Oblivion was probably the one I've played the most, uh, and I enjoyed it. But I I get bored with them. I like them. Like I do. I do really enjoy like Fallout. Um, Fallout Four was just such a great game for me. Like I just enjoyed taking in the world. I like the. And... I think I I like the um the idea of them. Mm-hmm. I I love the idea of them. I would love. I love playing um, Oblivion. I love yeah. playing um, Skyrim. Is Skyrim. Good. But I just get bored of them yeah. after like five or ten hours. I'm just like, this is just. It's so slow. Yeah. I, I don't care about the lore of what happened in that guy's house or like going if running all the, the way time. over there to do this and do that it's like yeah there's, there's it's it's so slow it's it's a very you have to dedicate a lot of time to it um and that's one of the things that appeals to me for like final fantasy as well is just because like i know that i can at least get through get through a game without doing the side quests and maybe like 40 50 hours and that's it and it's what Again, it's something that annoyed me slightly about 12 because the dungeons were really long. Yeah. You could go like an hour or two without having any kind of story development. You're just yeah. running around killing monsters. Yeah. And it's like, and well, it's boring. Yeah. It's just, it's not that appealing. No. But either way. Um, next question. This next question. Okay. This is from Dave Howarth who says, one thing I've been curious about is Final Fantasy VIII on iOS. Seven and nine are there, but eight is weirdly missing. It can't be t- a technological issue because there are no problems that I'm aware of anyway. Importing seven to n- seven and nine over, is it more red tape and licensing issues? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Lauren, you're ruining our reputation here. Oh, no, I, no, I don't. I don't know why they wouldn't I, put eight. I think it may be a music issue. Oh, maybe because like the music for some reason doesn't port well. Yeah, so Final Fantasy VII and IX were fine. Well, they also remade Nine. to be fair. They did remake IX. Um, but the music, I think, is the main problem because in Final Fantasy VIII, even on Steam, they just didn't know, they just didn't, couldn't fix it. Or they no, didn't, couldn't be bothered. for some reason. I, but I remember they have mods. <laughs> yeah, you have to mod the music, basically. Yeah. If you don't mod the music, it sounds terrible. Because... Roses and Wine, look it up. It's great. So I, I think that may be an issue because I don't know what the iPhone or Android sound chips are like. Mm. Uh, and I'd imagine it's not too pleasant to yeah. listen to. Uh, so I, I think but that may it, be the reason. I mean, you didn't, you never played Final Fantasy VIII on PC, did you? No. So I don't know what it was like for when it was on PC. I mean, they kind of stopped making PC uh, Final Fantasy PC versions. Yep, after eight. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they had the same issue. They might have done. Either way. I, yeah, I mean, I had the choice to play Final Fantasy on PC, but I heard really bad things about it. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think didn't... it probably is a problem with the port then. All right. This next one is from DigiLeo, who asks, do you think the city could be a rival to Smash? I do, but I think it's going to be difficult for them to do that. I honestly don't know, because, like, the city is so serious, and one of the appeal, the one of the things that appeals to me about Smash Brothers is that it's actually like silly as well. Like, there's something sort of pop culture silly it's about it. It's just easy. It's easy to pick up and play. It uh, is, and like, and it's, it's just, accessible, yeah. and the characters are cute. Like, I mean, <laughs> just the fact that you can play as Kirby and then you can just eat people. Because I mean, yeah, Dissidia, even even the original Dissidia, 
they kind of shot themselves in the foot because the ma- it mechanics are well, it's I mean it's hard but the mechanics are confusing like yeah. it's not it's not immediately obvious what the hell is going on no whereas in, in Smash Brothers it's like you have health bar but it's not health bar it's just percentage and even that doesn't really mean that much because you can still it's just how difficult it is to get back on the stage yeah um, but with the Sidia, it's like, oh, you've got the hit points, you've got the brave points, you've got this, oh, you've got that, just, you've got to do this, you've got different attacks, my, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, once I you was understand it... like, I look it, really pretty, but I just don't understand what Once I'm you doing. understand it, it's fine, but mm. it does, like, the mechanics are so different from anything else in the market. And obviously, now you have three characters mm-hmm. that you play as. I don't know how they're going to do that for the console version. I no, genuinely don't. No. Or whether they're going to shrink it back down to 1v1 again. But um, It should be interesting, but, like, yeah, I mean... Smash Brothers is just, it's so easy. I used to play it all the time with my cousins and just have a blast. And Yoshi is great too, because you can turn people into Yoshi. eggs. They don't really have those kind of characters. Like, Kefka's the only one that I would see, like, I want to piss take, make a game out of this. Yeah, it's a thing. It's, it's a very serious game. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. No, there's nothing it's, wrong. It's just the fact, I, I think it is the fact that you know, games like Street Fighter and Tekken and like Smash Brothers, as a spectator sport, um, it's easy to understand what's going on. Yeah. Whereas definitely. with the Cydia, it's really not. No, no. I liked playing as the bear in uh, <laughs> in uh, what's it called in Tekken. What's he called? Oh, like I forget. It begins with a K, doesn't it? Kuma. 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 Yeah. Okay, so uh, next question is from Sophie Green, who asks, uh, there have been rumors that work has started on Final Fantasy 16. Would you like it to be open world like 15 or more linear like 13? I feel like we have partially just answered that in our very long winded answer that wasn't actually related to the question. Yeah, but um, I mean, I would prefer it to be more linear. Um, I think it works more for the JRPGs that Square Enix produces since they put so much emphasis on character development and they're they're strict this is the story we want to tell which is exactly what we pretty much just said whereas like with western RPGs you're creating the story you have the control but Square Enix they very much have the control of the narrative of a Final Fantasy game well my issue is that Final Fantasy 15, if what they did wasn't wrong. No. Like, it was just the implementation that was wrong. Because yeah. you think back to Final Fantasy 8, it was just as open world as Final Fantasy 15 was. Yeah. But they restricted you in ways that made sense. So, like, when you first start the game and you're a Balam Garden, you can literally only go to the cave. Yeah, you're or, on an or, island. Or you can go to Dollet. Sorry, not Dollet. Uh, no, yeah. yeah no, uh, Balam. It was Balam or the, the cave. Yeah, the town of Balam or the cave. Um, where Zell's mom lives. Yeah. But, so there's only like three places you can go. And they restrict you on that basis. Now, Final Fantasy XV, they tried to do it with the gates. But like, there was nothing to do. Like, it's, it's the thing. Like, yeah. There was the, the, the driving thing wasn't there. Like, And I, I think that's the, the thing that kind of bugged me about fifteen is that you could get so sucked up just doing pointless crap, which you could do in Final Fantasy VIII, but it wasn't. It was never a big enough distraction to stop you from wanting to progress. Yeah. So with Final Fantasy VIII, yeah, you probably between going from Balam Garden to doing the thing with Ifrit, he probably would have grinded a little bit to try and do some drawing or whatever. Mm. But there was nothing else that could have distracted you at that at that point. And yeah. even as you progress through the game, there's always little things that you can do. You can go back to places. You can do a little bit extra if you want to. Yeah. But they still kind of push you in that direction. 
And it, like I feel that even once you get like the portable garden, for example, you mm. can go you can go to a lot more places. But yeah. like there's not that many things that distract you from going forward. No, no, unless you walk into that freaking area where you get Bahama and then get scared. <laughs> I got so scared. I got so creeped out. I was like, who the heck is talking to me? Leave me alone. Like, I just don't want to talk to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, Final Fantasy VIII had, the, like, a lot of the games have had the open world. Yeah. It's just that when they did it, it was much smarter. It's a, it's a sly. They, they were, like, sly with their way of making I mean, it Final like, Fantasy, open, but not open. Final Fantasy X and thirteen are very, very same in the linearity. Mm-hmm. Um, Final Fantasy X, like you, you literally go on a straight path from the beginning of the game, yeah, through to until you when you get the airship, yeah. Like it's literally you can't do anything else. There's no, no. deviation you can do apart no. from going backwards. Exactly. And like, yeah, if you want to get to a certain place without having the airship in Final Fantasy X, you literally have to walk the entire way back. Yeah, I mean, you can walk from uh, like Zanakind all the way back. Yeah, if you want which to. I did a lot of times in order to grind. Um, which was great until you got to Meehan High Road and then you're just like, oh my God, this is just the same thing over and over again. Kill me. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I would prefer them focus more on fleshing out the worlds, take more time with the side characters to really make the world seem lived in and not so much just here's the world and here's all the stuff you can do, but nothing else has any it's like, character i'd say that a good example for final fantasy 15 which is also potentially a bad example is grand theft auto yes i was actually thinking about that so grand theft auto they have huge worlds but they make it very restricted so yeah. you don't want to go and invent- you could and- at the beginning of the game probably drive somewhere crazy but there's no benefit from doing it exactly and if you go over there it's going to take you god knows how long to get back and you might end up in a place where you'll die instantly yeah so like you you want to just progress with the story and then there's little distractions that you might see as you're going around but they're not big enough distractions that they make you forget about what you're doing and that's that's the thing as well with Grand Theft Auto. Like each of the each of the side characters that you meet, they each and every one has an arc. Like each and every one has a beginning, middle, and end to their story. And um, you know, I don't know why the only one I can think of at the moment is the one where the strip club and uh, Grand Theft Auto Three. <laughs> but like that had a clear, clear cut beginning, middle, and end. And then you don't talk to that. You don't talk to that character anymore unless it's, like, a side quest where you can earn some money or something. You know, like, it's just, it's it's so much nicer when you actually feel like you're doing something for someone who it matters to. Mm. But it's like the, they have the natural progressions. They do. They have the different islands. You they can have the get to cars, the, the mansion. You upgrade your mansion. You upgrade your cars. I mean, you can, if you want, steal a really expensive car, but if you want to wait for a car, you can also wait for a car as well, and there's ways that you can steal other things. By the way, yeah, no, I was actually, it was weird that I was actually thinking about the same title, like, they could really learn from how Grand Theft Auto V built up the world, um, well, just Grand Theft Auto in general builds up the world and makes it feel lived in. Which is just not what they did. And I think it was probably down to time. Um, but like they just didn't they didn't bother doing it at all with um with the characters. So yeah, I mean I don't have I, I love the open Fantasy world 15. that they used to do in the Final Fantasy games, but it was all based around the fact that there is a world that you can't view yet. And yeah. it, and it, and then you never wanted to until you could. Yeah. 
like yeah with Final Fantasy 8 I think that's a great example because there was a lot in that world yeah Final Fantasy 7 as well was extremely linear yeah Ex- extremely linear the the first time you don't really have the sense of linearity was when you get the tiny Bronco and even then it's be- only like you can go around all the shores around the world to get to something if you want to but that's a lot of effort to go through you wouldn't really want to do it. It's only once you get the airship that you can start venturing around more. Like they all have this kind of the world that you can see, but the world that you know you don't want to view, like you don't want to go into yet. Yeah. Whereas with Final Fantasy Fifteen, the world was pretty much all the same. Yeah. Like there wasn't really anywhere you couldn't go after like very soon you unlock pretty much everything. There's a moment where like, oh crap, I don't have the car anymore and that really But like sucked. I'd, I'd but say that, that like after you get through that first kind of blockade barrier, which is where you go from like the Hammerhead area to the the rest of the area, mm-hmm. which is where the Stalem is, everything's pretty much accessible to you other than the Vesper pool. Yeah. So it's like what, like, and 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 it's not anywhere. It's not any different from where yeah, you were before. It's exactly. just it's just the same, but slightly more expanded. Exactly. So it's like they didn't really, yeah. It was like an open world, but they, there was nothing really unique about it. And it's what they could really learn from games like Near as well. I mean, like these worlds, or sorry, these areas in in the world just had had living, breathing characters within them that made it different. And you know, it's just yeah. Sorry to be such a Debbie Danner, man. All right. And this last one is from Josh, um, one of our supporters, uh, Chad28 underscore 69, um, who asks, do you think Square Enix will be, do you think that Square Enix will bring all of the mainline numbered Final Fantasies to Steam? I don't think there's any reason why 12 and 15 won't come to Steam, meaning it will only be missing one and two. So am I alone in wanting this? Um, And would you like this to happen? And do you think Square Enix will do it? I think they will do it. It's just a matter yeah. of time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what what sort of um, the port will be like for 15 or 12, obviously, but I feel like they would do it. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's a quick answer to that one, really. Yeah. I, I think they will. 15 on PC is going to happen at some point. Tabato is really passionate about it. They featured it at GDC. Yeah, the Zodiac Age, is, is, it seems like it would just be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of talking, a lot of complaining, a lot of positivity. <laughs> a lot we, of whining. We went to a lot of places this episode. Um, the music segment is uh, actually going to be from Final Fantasy VIII, since we were talking about the music. Yeah. Um, it's an arrangement of the Tell Me, which is a quite cool song, and Aww. it's by Stephen Morris featuring Soundol VGM covers. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out, as we mentioned, on the 13th of June, right during E3. Yay! Um, I can't sure- believe it's so close. I know. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Final Fantasy with there or thereabouts. And of course, um, we're going to be hopefully launching on your YouTube channel for the podcast very soon. Um, if you subscribed to our main channel, we're doing a, a, like a video notification about it or by Tuesday, I would like to think. Mm. Of course, you can check out all our news coverage, which will be very important during E3 at FinalFantasyNew.com. Braden is, of course, our news writer and he's very passionate about a lot of things. Um, and if you want to support the podcast, please head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKH Union. All right, guys, Lauren's going to say goodbye now, and then I'm going to say goodbye too. Goodbye. And I'm Dara saying goodbye. This has been a Final Fantasy Union.com production.